Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at gobethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. Going to the book of Romans chapter 5 and the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And what a great, phenomenal men's camp, men's conference, man camp we had. It was just fantastic. The messages were powerful. The worship was amazing. The prayer, you know, the towels, the uh, the bottles of oil, uh, just just amazing. And the fellowship, just just fantastic. So if you didn't go, make plans to go next year. We'll be doing it again. I heard they've already started working on the menu. We have our priorities straight, don't we? Um, and, and it's going to be a great one. They announced the speakers, and all. it's going to be amazing. So Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. We love Bethesda kids, and there they go. Romans 5, 1 through 3. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, we'll stop on this second verse here, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access by faith. And then Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives substance to, it is the substance of. Faith is substantial, substantive. It is the substance of things that we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. And we know from the book of Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing the word, the word. It's another concept today, and I'd like to entitle this, The Key to Victory. The Key to Victory. So, let's say a prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would anoint me to speak. Anoint us to hear and to receive, Lord. And we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We have a church shed over here. It has a lock on it. Unfortunately, eight years ago, I decided to go with a lock that requires a key. And so for the last eight years, this is what happens. Has anybody seen the key to the shed? And so we're like hustling, trying to find a key. We got keys made, a hundred of them. Still, who's got a key to the shed? Where's the key to the shed? Trying to find the key to the shed. Well... We also, when we started the work and the insurance adjusters were coming around, we put a lockbox on the chapel over here that if you have the combo, you can open the lockbox, take out keys, and it has keys to our buildings. And then we got this mini mobile right here, the storage unit. We put a combination lock on there so anybody could just get the combination and open it up. And it dawned on me about, you know, a year into this insurance project and whatnot, I'm like, why did we not get a combination lock on the shed? So we wouldn't be doing the, who has the key? Where's the key? I can't believe it. You know what they did? They put that key in their pocket and went home. Where's the key? You know, and we, it, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. But, you know, what's funny is that a keyed lock is really a combination of lock of sorts. I did a little research on this. There are pins and tumblers in a keyed lock and they require a certain configuration or combination of 
ridges on a key to cause the pins to align on this plug, which allows the plug to rotate and unlock the lock or unlock the door. I've got a video I can show you right now. Do we have that video, Thomas? Check this out. This will show you. Look, see the key goes in. See the pins. See the tumbler. See the... Is that amazing or what? Isn't that beautiful? Let's give Thomas a hand for that. That's his hand. He made all that. He's got long fingernails. But I'm just kidding. So when I say the key to victory... I do mean uh, there's a combination, there's a configuration that will unlock the victory that already belongs to us in Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, or 1, verse 3, Ephesians 1, 3, Paul, Paul told the church at Ephesus that God's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. 2 Peter 1, 3, Peter says that God's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Ladies and gentlemen, the work's already done. He's already won the victory. It belongs to us. It is ours. So the question becomes, how do I get the good that He's already given? How do I access His finished work, what is already done? What's the combination? What's the key to victory? And the answer is demonstrated all throughout the Bible, but it's clearly stated in Romans 5 too. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You want grace? You want His goodness? You want the victory He's already obtained? Then you've got to believe for it. You've got to believe you've... Something that is you may not have experienced yet, but you have to believe that it can be obtained by faith. You have to believe before you receive. Are you with me? It's counterintuitive. I know that. It goes against the grain. I know that. It's contrary to maybe the way we want it to be. But here's the deal. You have to believe in advance. You have to believe it's been done, and that it's been given, and you've got to receive it by faith. And one of the most effective ways to release your faith is to praise God for what He's already done before you've experienced it. Praise God for what He's done before you've experienced it. You praise Him in advance. That's a great way, incidentally, to be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. The Bible says they were all in one place, in one accord. They were praying and praising God, the Bible says, together. The Bible tells us that when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues. They were already praying and praising God. Their mouths were already engaged. Their hearts were already engaged. And God just came in and filled that place and filled those people. God can do the same thing for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
A little practical teaching here. Let me be a pastor. You can't just stand there with your mouth closed and think that you're going to speak in tongues as God gives you the utterance. No, your mouth already needs to be engaged, praising and thanking Him for all that He's already done. And then He can get involved in that situation. And before you know it, He'll fill you as well. Amen? you got to praise Him in advance. You speak in the natural in faith into the spiritual realm. In Genesis, God spoke into the darkness and said, let there be light. Literally, he said, light be. He's looking at darkness, and he calls the light out of the darkness. Abraham called himself the father of multitudes before he ever had Isaac. Who are you, Abraham? I'm a father of multitudes. No, you're not. You're the father of Ishmael, and that's not you and Sarah. That's you and Hagar. That's all right. I'm a father of multitudes. My, mine and Sarah's kids going to have a lot of kids, and we're going to be the father and the mother of multitudes. What? Yeah, that's who we are. He was saying it in advance, calling. The Bible says that Abraham, like God, called those things that be not as though they were. He was saying it in advance. This is what God has said. I agree with it, and I praise Him for it. And we can do the same thing. We can, in spite of what we're experiencing, we can begin to praise God for things that He's promised, even though we've not received them yet. Here's what we're doing when we do that. We're assuming that He really did what He said He was going to do. That His work is already done. That He really did overcome death, hell, and the grave. That by His stripes we are healed. That He really has removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. That His victory is real and it belongs to me. No matter how I feel, if I've got goosebumps or not, the reality is His work is already done. His word is true. He told me the truth. No matter what my current circumstances may look like, before the walls fall down, Joshua, you're going to give God some praise. No matter how hard the devil is coming against you and trying to shut you up and shut you down, you've got to be determined. His word is true. What he said is true, and I'll praise him in advance. David said it, I will bless the Lord at all times. This keeps coming up in my messages. I will praise the Lord, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When my body is sick and telling me I'm sick, I say, in the name of Jesus, I am healed because by His stripes, I am healed. Well, no, you're not. You're sick. Yeah, but by His stripes, I'm healed. I'm not denying reality. Abraham didn't deny reality. God didn't deny reality. He called things that be not as though they are. He didn't call things that are as though they are not. That's denial. That's a river over in Egypt. That's delusional. Well, that's a double joke right there. Delusional. Get it? It's not denying reality. It's looking, check this out, to the super reality. Habakkuk 3.17 through 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no fruit, 
Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's what I'm talking about. I talked about him last week. Job, you know, you lost all this stuff. Hey, naked came I into this world. Naked shall I leave. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's this determination. Joel 3.10. Let the weak say I am strong. So when the job plays out, you get laid off. When you get a bad report from your doctor, when your spouse walks out on you, when you're drowning in bills, you got to put your eyes on Jesus and what He's done. Come on, you've got to, even when you have failed and let the Lord down, you know, you've made some mistakes, you've got to praise Him because of the truth and the reality that is in Him in spite of your circumstances and what you're experiencing. We've got to learn to distinguish between facts and truth. The facts can say one thing and the truth can be something entirely different. One of the meanings of truth is reality. And what's real in the realm of the supernatural is not always what's real in the realm of the natural. There's two realities that are going on. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, While we do not look at the things which are seen. This is crazy talk right there. We do not look at the things that are seen. It's right in front of my eyes. What are you talking about? I see beyond that. There's a reality beyond that. We, we don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What? It's, it's not seen. How can you look at it? We're looking in the Spirit. For the things which are seen are temporary. Another way to put that is they're subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Another way to put that, they're not subject to change. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus died on the cross and there ain't nothing the devil can do to stop that or undo that. Jesus rose from the dead. There ain't nothing he can do to stop that or undo that. His work is finished. It cannot be undone if by his stripes I am healed. It has been done. It is done. That's an eternal truth. We don't look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. God's super reality always trumps natural reality. In other words, everything that's not lining up to the victory that Christ has won for us has to be brought into alignment, and that's done by faith. So the facts say I'm sick. The truth is I'm healed. The facts are the bills aren't paid. The truth is he's my El Shaddai and meets all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The facts are I've made a mess of things. The truth is he's able to give me a hope and a future and turn my mess into a message. And the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. And I don't have to get stuck looking at my little past. I can open up and look at the broad future that God has for me. Come on now. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And so we've got to learn that a key is 
to praise Him for the victory before the victory. That's, that's, that's powerful. And, and that's to praise Him because of the victory, for the victory, but that's also to praise Him for the victory to get the victory. I'm not just going through these motions. This is faith in action right here. I'm praising God. I'm, I'm expressing my faith in my praise and worship. Are you with me? And, I, and, and I'm just, I just, this is the vein we're in. This is the flow we're in. I just believe that the body of Christ, I believe this church is needing this message right now. Probably somebody in this room right now is needing, this is the key to your victory in Jesus' name. Just learning how to praise God in spite of what's going on in your world. Instead of praising God because of what's going on in your world. Or not praising God because of what's going on in your world. God's worthy of your praise no matter what's going on in your world. Check this out. 150 years after David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. A new king ascended the throne. His name was Jehoshaphat. He was basically a good king, but from time to time he made dumb decisions. Can that be said about you? He's basically a good guy, but from time to time, you know, he makes dumb decisions. <laughs> I mean, we could probably fit all of our names right there. Pretty good guy, you know, makes some dumb decisions sometimes. He's a great guy, not too bright sometimes. <laughs> Jehoshaphat listened to old Ahab and Jezebel. Well, they were bad Bad news right there. Ahab and Jezebel. They told Jehoshaphat to go into battle in full royal regalia. What you need to do is you need to go into battle and you need to put on your robe and your crown and you need to go in there looking like a peacock, man. You need to strut into that battle. Hey, Jehoshaphat, common sense. Come on, dude. Hey, hey, you're a big target. What a dummy. Don't do that. Oh, Ahab and Jezebel said, this is a great idea. Jehoshaphat, I got an idea, guys. Bring me my, my, my cape. You know, like, I mean, how can you lose with a cape, right? I, bring my big cape. Bring my crown. You know, he's all about it. Well, he barely escaped with his life when he went into battle. It was just it was crazy, man. Going to go in there and wear all this stuff. It's a dumb decision. Well, after that. He began to seek the Lord in earnest. It's like, okay, I need to, I need to start praying about these decisions. That, I mean, he was happy to be alive. So he starts praying, seeking the Lord. And so when he began to seek the Lord, think about that. Stupid decision, barely escapes. Now he starts seeking the Lord. Oh, God, lead me. Give me wisdom. Let me be the, the king that hears the voice of the Lord. And he's really set his heart to seek after the Lord and check this out, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1, tells us what happened next. It happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, this, this is, I'm going to help you right here. Just because you seek the Lord doesn't mean the devil is going to let you off scot-free. Matter of fact, when you start to seek the Lord, the devil's going to mess with you more. You ain't a threat when you're 
doing your own thing and listening to the Ahabs and Jezebels on TikTok and Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, well, I'm going through all the social, Facebook, whatever your poison of choice is. When you listen to all these cats, the devil's not going to mess with you. You start seeking the Lord. Come on, you start trusting in God and asking God to give you direction. Don't be surprised when the enemy comes at you on all sides. I mean, think of that demoniac at Gadara. People didn't care if he was naked, hanging out at the tombs, possessed by the devil, terrorizing the neighborhood. They put chains on him to control him, but they were happy to have him in chains, naked, in the tombs, uh, terrorizing the graveyard. They were fine with that. But when Jesus got a hold of them and he's sitting clothed in his right mind at the feet of Jesus, they're like, what's wrong with you? And they got mad at Jesus. You healed our idiot. Hey, it's funny, but it's so true, man. People love it when you strung out on drugs. People are fine with you when you're addicted to cocaine and you smoking dope every day and you drinking like a fish. They're fine with that. That's, that's normal. That's good. He's just funny. He's a funny guy, man. I love him. But when you start following Jesus, they're like, you're in a cult. What's wrong with you? You need to go to a therapist. Hey, get behind me, Satan. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I'm saved. Hey, my praise and my worship is not based on my performance. It's based on what Jesus has done for me. He's worthy of my praise. I was a fool. I was an idiot. But Jesus found me. Give God some praise right now. How many of you know what I'm talking about is the truth? Because you've had family that have done it to you. You need therapy. Are you kidding me? I was smoking dope. I was partying. I was getting drunk, sleeping around. Are you fine? You good? You going to make it? You start following Jesus. You speak in tongues. What is wrong with you? I'm calling Dr. So-and-so. You're delusional. You think God speaks to you? I'm going to tell you something. The devil talks to people all the time. Nobody gives a rip. <laughs> they just had a big old satanic convention in Boston. Nobody cares. <laughs> Who cares, man? That's cool, man. We get in touch with ourselves in the spirit realm and the elements and the earth and all this kind of stuff. And, but you speak in tongues. You believe the Bible is the word of God. You're, well, are you crazy? Son? You lost your mind. No, 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 no. I finally found my mind. I got the mind of Christ. Come on. I'm finally in my right mind. My world got turned right side up, and I've come to turn the world upside down. I'm meddling, but I'm just going to tell you something. The, the world is getting crazier and crazier. And what you're thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about right there. This world is getting crazier and crazier. But, hey, those eternal truths, they haven't changed. Jesus is still the same. The devil wishes he could undo Calvary. The devil wishes he could undo my water baptism. 
The devil wishes he can undo my spirit baptism. But honey, I'm saved, sanctified in my right mind, forever seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so are you. Somebody say, preach it, Pastor. Hallelujah. Woo. The enemy wants you to quit seeking the Lord. That's what it's all about. Jehoshaphat, listen. He wants you to go back and listen to Ahab and Jezebel. Get on TikTok. What did Jezebel say today? Oh, that's so good. I'm going to share that with like 1,700 people. That's so good. That is so good. Wow. Devil wants you going back and listening to those voices. Jehoshaphat, come on. Put on your royal robes. Ride into battle on a white steed. Oh, he, he, I love the fact that Jehoshaphat humbled himself. There's something about a, a man. We just got back from men's camp. And, man, it was so, there was some humble men in that house. It was so powerful. Uh, we need more men and women that know how to humble themselves in the sight of God. And it's not what I think and it's not my opinion, but it's what pleases my heavenly father. Jehoshaphat set his face to seek after the Lord. What do you want, God? How should I lead these people? My robe, I'll leave it at home. Lord, I'll leave that, that cape and that crown at home. What do you want, God? And the enemy was trying to get him to stop that business. Kind of like those people with the demoniac at Gadara. They bet Jesus to leave the coast. And, and that, that fellow is like, I'm coming with you. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. You're going to go back to ten cities and tell everybody what I've done for you. One of those cities was Damascus. He was preparing the way for believers in Damascus. And there was another fellow named Saul of Tarsus who was on the way to Damascus to kill those people who had come to the full Christian message through the initial seed sown by the demoniac at Gadara. And on the road to Damascus, the Lord came down and said, Uh-uh, not going to do that. Who are you? Lord, I'm Jesus. And if I healed a demoniac over here, I can heal you too. And he became a great witness for the Lord. I love this. Jehoshaphat's response to the enemy's attack and the threat that they showed to he and his kingdom is seen in the third verse here, 3 and 4. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and prepared, proclaimed a fast through all the land. So Judah, other people got together. They asked help. From the Lord. In all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So he took it to the next level. He's like, he's seeking the Lord. The enemy comes in and threatens. He gets some brothers, some sisters. I need some help in seeking the Lord. Come on, would you magnify the Lord with me? Let us exalt his name together. Let's seek the face of the Lord together. He set himself to seek the Lord. He got others to join in with him. He upped the ante and started fasting. I'm going to tell you something. When you pray, it's one thing. When you pray and fast, it's a double doozy. I like to go to the American Cookie Company. And you can get a cookie. And you can get the cookie with the icing on it. But then you can get 
one of those double doozies. Brothers and sisters, it's evil. It's like crack. <laughs> Valerie knows. Not because she eats them, but because it's something like, I'm going to go get me a double doozy. And I, I've tried to lower it to the dinky doozy, lower my intake. But then what happens is I get three of them. And I think it's more than a double doozy. <laughs> when you add fasting to your prayer, it takes it up a notch. And fasting's throughout the whole Bible. I mean, it really is. It goes to the book of Genesis. Of all the trees of the garden you can eat, but not this one. Really? I've got to fast that one? Fasting goes all the way back to the beginning. There's something powerful about prayer coupled with fasting. There's some devils you can't deal with other than prayer and fasting. And there are real devils. There's a real devil. There's real demons, fallen angels. In that, in that realm, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, high places. You've got to understand there's another world out there, and and prayer and fasting together are very powerful so he proclaims a fast he gets all these people together they're praying and fasting and and we have his actual prayer recorded in verses 5 through 12 very powerful it has a testimony goes back and looks at what the lord has done in the past and then in verse 12 he says oh god will you not judge them for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that great? That's humility right there. You know what he's saying? We have no power. I'm not, I ain't putting my cape and my crown on. I'm, he said, we have no power and we don't know what to do. You know what he's saying by indication there? Ahab and Jezebel, they don't know what to do either. I almost died listening to them. But he said this, but instead of Ahab and Jezebel, our eyes are on you. We sang it, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So no power, no knowledge of what to do, but here's where I'm looking, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Verse 13, now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. I love that. The men of Judah had a godly leader in Jehoshaphat. <clears throat> He's calling on them to seek God. He led the way. And all these guys followed. I hope as the lead pastor, you know, I am a lead pastor. I'm not just a pastor. I'm a lead pastor. That's what my card says. You go to the Secretary of State, I'm registered not just as a I'm not just a pastor. I don't just have a lowly pastor. I'm a lead pastor. That's my title. And as the lead pastor, I hope I can lead you in seeking the Lord. We don't know what to do. We're not smart enough in ourselves. We don't have the power or the might. We, even if we had you know, uh, uh, $10 million, we don't have the money. We don't have the resources in ourselves to do what God is wanting us to do. That's why we're seeking the Lord. We're not 
just claiming to be Christians and to be a church and to be a lead pastor and members of a church. We're not seeking God with half our hearts. We're not just going to church on a, a Sunday, one or two Sundays a month, or dropping a few bucks in the offering. These are desperate times. Listen, our marriages are under attack. Our homes are under attack. Our families are under attack. Our children are under attack. The church is under attack. We can and we must go to another level. And I want to encourage you, and I want to say this from man camp. I was encouraged. What if there was a revival amongst the men in this house? I'm talking about where we had a revival. A revival of men... Seeking after the Lord, worshiping and praising God, not putting on capes and crowns and acting some kind of fool, but saying, we're seeking after you. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're seeking the Lord. Oh, my goodness. I've been going for a few minutes. i gotta, I got to hurry here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody's back there going, no, don't say that. Don't, don't encourage him. <laughs> All right. These are desperate times. Church, church is good for men. I, I got some stats, but I'm going to skip that. Um, but I will tell you this. Your marriage will be better if you seek the Lord. You'll stress less over money if you'll seek the Lord. You'll get a better attitude if you'll seek the Lord. You'll be a better dad if you seek the Lord. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better employer. You'll have a better relationship with people if you put God first in your life. And, and church is good for men, and men are good for church. A study from Hartford Seminary found that the presence of involved men was statistically correlated with church growth health, and harmony. Meanwhile, a lack of male participation is strongly associated with congregational decline. You want this church to grow? Brothers, get involved. So, the prophetic word came to Jehoshaphat and the nation. Uh, God sent a prophet it's, it's pretty powerful, and the Lord gave him a word, uh, and it was all about obedience, faith, worship. They heard the instructions of the Lord. They trusted the Lord. They leaned on the Lord. Why don't you stand with me? They had been facing the Lord, seeking God's face, pursuing the Lord, and the Lord gave them a, a prophetic word. You can find it in, in the, the verses 13 uh, down through 30. It's pretty cool. Um, this whole idea, I don't have time to get into it. But what they ended up doing was they went and they faced the enemy. You know the story. And I'm... I'm fresh from men's conference, so don't think I'm neglecting the ladies because it was the men, it was the women, and it was the children. We're a multi-generational church. And, and the truth is, I'm just going to tell you straight up, like we believe in men and women and boys and girls. 
no matter what anybody else says. We have a biblical perspective. It was the men and the women and the boys and the girls. We, we have men's uh, ministries. We have women's ministries. We have children's ministries. We have family ministries. They stood united together. If men and women and boys and girls are united seeking after God, it's amazing what can happen. They face all these enemies. They're surrounded. They're outnumbered. It's ridiculous how outnumbered they are in this situation. But remember, faith is the access. Faith is the key. And they, they demonstrated their faith in their praise. And so they were instructed to do so, and they went out before the enemy. He didn't put his cape and crown on. People didn't, like, try to brag on themselves and what they brought to the table and their prowess. And they weren't doing war games and practicing. And, and they, they just went out there, all of them. And they began to sing. For the Lord is good, and His mercy is everlasting. For the Lord is good, and His mercy is everlasting. For the Lord is good. You see, they didn't dwell on the rearview mirror. Remember, Jehoshaphat, when you put the cape and crown on, got too big for your britches back here, we all got in a... No, they had the, 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 that windshield. They're looking out at, for the Lord is good. And His mercy is everlasting. And I see the enemy out there in a darkness, but boy, I see the sun rising with healing in His wings over the horizon out there. The sun of righteousness. And they began to focus on the Lord. That's the bottom line here, y'all. This is the key to getting the victory. Focusing on the Lord. Praising Him for His finished work and what He's already done. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. For the Lord is good. It was the men, the women, the children. For the Lord is good. Listen, if the kids get out of order, we'll, we'll wrangle them in. But the kids up here praying and worshiping God, are you kidding me? Stop that. They start turning 12 and 13 and, and like look like they just crawled out of a pickle barrel. And they won't acknowledge anybody, much less the Lord, in public. Let my kids know at an early age what it's like to bask in the presence of God and to give God praise, to give Him glory. I don't want to wait till they're a teenager and I'm saying, hey, you need to learn how to praise the Lord. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old. Men, women, and children just praising the Lord. It's just this corporate faith, man. Just praise the Lord. For and the, the Bible says that the Lord brought the victory to Jehoshaphat and, and that, that band of, of families. The Lord did it. And there was nobody saying, look what we did. They were all saying, look what the Lord has done, which is what we're going to sing in heaven. Not that we made it over, but that He got us over. He's the one that got us over. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. So I just, I just feel like this is the direction. This is a vein that the, the Holy Spirit has it in us in as a church. Like we, we've just got to learn to praise God in spite of, in the face of, 
even when we don't feel anything. You know, and I'll just be honest, like, I don't know if you look at me, you probably don't, but if you ever look at me and you think, oh, he's praising God because, like, he's got the, the frisons, you know. He's got the goosebumps. He feels the presence of God. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. He's worthy of my praise anyway. And I found this to be true. Sometimes I don't, but I start worshiping him anyway, and then I do. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. That's where victory is found. You express your faith in advance. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that the key to victory is faith, and the key to victory is faith in our praise and worship, God. It's just a key. It unlocks. It helps us access everything that you've bought and paid for through the cross of Christ, Lord. It's a key. It's a powerful key that the devil can't stop. The devil wishes he could, but he can't. When God's people start to praise the Lord, come on now, all those armies that came against Jehoshaphat, when they started praising the Lord, it was inevitable victory was going to be theirs. There was nothing the devil could do, nothing that demons could do, nothing the fallen angels could do to stop it. They couldn't go down and strengthen those guys with enough might and power to overcome the praise and worship of God's people. They were not pretentious. They were authentic. And they were praising the Lord and saying, Our help comes from the Lord. And the Lord sent them to victory. How many of you need some victory in your life today? How many of you want to access what Jesus has bought and paid for? Why don't you try giving Him some praise? Why don't you try praising Him in advance? Come on, in faith, I take you at your word. You're not a man that you should lie. You told the truth, and I'm going to praise you like you told the truth. Hallelujah! Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.